Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network refused to use, no doubt, continues. This is the broadcast for March 10th in the year of our Lord, 2023. Hour two of two. And the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, to do so on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. And as you know, we're incredibly in support of the supreme law of the land. Yeah, the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. They say we're anti-government, and then we point to the supreme law. We point to the rule of law. We point to the proper role of limited government. We point to the checks and balances. We reject revolution, stand for peaceful restoration, and they say we're anti-government. How dare those criminals? Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. Myself and Dr. Scott Bradley are going to talk about a story that is from the state of Utah. Chase Allen is the guy's name. Body cam video shows the moment the 25-year-old was shot dead by Utah police on March the 1st. Yeah, it was a traffic stop, and he was killed by Farmington. That's the city. Uh, police officers there. Uh, the problem is this thing escalated uh, psychotically out of control, and it did so uh, so rapidly. It's scary folks now we can't show the video on the radio but we can play the clip we're going to play this we're going to have to turn it up because it's a little bit hard to hear we're going to play this at the start and then dr scott bradley and i are going to break it down here's the clip now okay step out of the car for me no sir step out of the vehicle no. right now i am not required to Step if out of this vehicle right me, now. Then we're going to have an issue where Step out of the car right now. Wall. Step out of the car. We're going to break the window and pull you out. Step out of the car. Gun, 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 gun. Step out of the car right If you now. don't step out of the car, we're going to break the window and pull you out. Step out of the car. Gun, 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 gun. Davis Fox 20, we got shots fired. Shots fired. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what you hear. Here's the problem with this whole scenario for starters, in my mind. Um, this escalated. It was supposed to be a routine traffic stop. They supposedly uh, followed him. He turned into a parking lot and parked. He never turned his car off. He, um, They came up to the car and said, hey, we need to talk to you. Roll down your window. He says, you know, hey. And the debate starts with Chase saying, I'm not going to give you any information. I don't have to turn anything over to you, and I don't have to cooperate. So Chase certainly did not comply with the demands of the cops you can hear that clearly all right he refused to give the officers his driver's license and he refused to comply with most of their demands now the problem with all that ladies and gentlemen i personally think that chase made a big mistake in his refusal to cooperate okay what i'm telling you is no matter how right or wrong chase is at the time when things escalate like that you know what um, do you want to stay alive or not? No matter how right you are, it doesn't. It's, it's not really valuable to be right and dead. However, take a step back for a minute, ladies and gentlemen, and you got to ask yourself what preceded all this. Was this really a routine traffic stop like they want you to believe, and did it really escalate 
from no knowledge about this gentleman to dead within merely a few minutes is the real question you got to ask, Dr. Bradley. Well, okay, Sam. I, um, you know, I do a webinar every Thursday night, and and some people were very interested in this issue. <clears throat> Multiple questions were looked at. The people were trying to come in and talk about. Uh, right now, even as we speak, I'm trying to get my response put up on Rumble and BitChute. It's very difficult to do so. The technology and I are just, it's elusive to us. At any rate, my response was about a half an hour. And so to try and do a review of this, a reasonable review of it, but a couple of two or three dozen things went wrong on this, and it escalated in like a nanosecond. Personally, I believe that we had some poorly trained rookie cops that went cowboy, and we had a shootout at the OK Corral that ended up in the death in seconds of a 25-year-old that, in my opinion, based upon all the evidence, all the videos, everything I've seen at this time. Now, again, I believe the videos have been probably edited. They, they were days before they released them. This, this has a history that goes back in his family a little bit, but I don't believe that but, there's but, but let me any stop you there, though. whatsoever. Let me stop you for a second. I realize that the history goes back to the family a little bit, which we'll dig into in a minute. But did the cops have privy information to that? Yes or no is a very quintessential question that people need to be on the stand under the penalty of perjury and beyond to answer, Dr. Bradley. Because how much well, did they, they do know? Absolutely. But I, I, will, I will say that my opinion, and of course, whatever that's worth, my opinion is that it would be virtually impossible for these five officers that responded on this routine traffic stop about no license plate did not know about it. I think I, I may be off by one or two officers, but my, my guess is that they have a total of 10, maybe 12 officers in the entire department. These five officers showed up. And I think that they escalated immediately. They see cops are supposed to they're supposed to de-escalate things. You don't start shooting and ask questions later. See, here's the problem. We are in a combat mode. Eleven Bravo, you know, combat infantry. We're in America people. We're not on the streets of Fallujah. This is not a war zone. And for officers to come up and instantly escalate this to shots fired and death is untenable. I don't know where the George Floyd protesters are. If this if the, this guy was a different color skin, they'd be literally burning burning major cities down. I mean, this is 10 days after the incident. Cities would have been aflame over this thing. And you know what? Reasonable, more reasonable minds are, are here, but here's the situation. You know, Officers that, that have a challenging situation, you don't shoot first and ask questions later. You know, if you say, oh, you're not going to get out of the car, we're going to be here a while, let's settle in and have a hamburger together, what do you want us to order you, kind of thing. I mean, this is the kind of thing where you don't shoot first and ask questions later. And, and we could talk about the young man, probably, had a gun in the car, totally legal in Utah, I'm a concealed carry instructor. I know the law on these matters. And whether he was a concealed carry uh, permit guy or not, he was completely within Utah's law to have a firearm in the car. Second thing is, if he had a holster on his side, which he probably did, 
And he was attempting, when they opened fire on him, to unlock his seatbelt so he could get out of the car. And appeared that's what he was doing. He had unlocked the doors. They had opened the door. They laid hands on him. He was getting out of the car, couldn't get out with a seatbelt on. And, and they say, gun, 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 gun. Okay, and then they gunned him down before anybody had a chance to say anything. There was a gun on the floorboard of the car when they got done. But protocol and uh, the, the way it would work out is if the medics ended up coming and they were going to do medical treatment, he was probably dead, multiple wounds to the head, I'm guessing. But he was probably dead. But what they probably did, if it hadn't been done by the police to begin with, as they had extracted the gun from the holster, dropped it on the floor, so they did not have to take a gun into the hospital later on on the ambulance. So we have these inferred guilt things that you say, oh, golly, here's a gun on the floor. I wonder, did they take it out of his hands, disarm him, whatever? It appears to me he was unsnapping his seatbelt. The police chief even has admitted that. He said he was a combative individual, and then he corrected now himself. Now, let's stop there for a second. Let's stop there for a second, because there's a big difference between combative and noncompliant. Now, I agree the gentleman was noncompliant, uh, but you don't get dead over noncompliance, ladies and gentlemen. As a cop, you don't escalate for noncompliance. Now, I know cops today do, and that is the quintessential problem we're highlighting here. Look, if he was combative and fighting the cops and, and all that, but he never got a gun up, he never pointed a gun at anyone at all at any time, and he's dead. Why? Because he wouldn't comply. That is a problem in America, doctor. These cops are trained that if you don't do what I say, I'll just escalate till you're dead. And so one of the things that's interesting, why do the cops say, hey, um, sir, you can either get out of the car or we can do it another way. It's all 100% in your hands. You decide. What does that mean? You get out of the car or you're dead? Because that's what happened. Right? You we get out of the car or you're dead. Means. Right. And that's my whole point is that that is a problem, folks. Secondarily, then, why would the cops so quickly say, get out of the car or we're going to break your window and yank you out of the car? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where's the negotiation tactics? Where are the cops learning to uh, how to win friends and influence people? It's like, young man, we're going to have to order like Mexican food or something. Uh, if you're not going to come out of your car, we're going to be here for a long time, sir. Okay, where is the de-escalation effort here? I don't see any whatsoever de-escalation tactic by the cop. Zero. Well, again, doctor. Like I said, I think what we have is some poorly trained officers. If anything, I mean, I would like to look at their history. We are hiring a lot of, you know, prior service individuals that maybe they did serve, you know, 11 Bravo with combat infantry and in some bad street in the Middle East. But the fact of the matter is they come home. We do not bring that mentality home with us, us against them. You know, I'm old enough, Sam. I remember very, 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 very well the days of protect and serve. That was what was even, you know, painted on the side of the police cars. They were peacekeepers. They weren't law enforcement officers. They Amen had a to that. Military mentality. Now, ladies and gentlemen, understand that one of the things that we need to be very careful about, pardon the phrase, jumping the gun, we don't have all the facts and all the details yet. That is part of the problem. Hang tight. Liberty Roundtable Live continues. Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. 
Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family. We the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. As you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married and have some kids. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. So this Chase Allen situation is very concerning indeed how did it escalate so quickly why didn't the cops do anything to de-escalate they could have just said young man if you're not going to get out of your car we're going to be here for a long time sir this isn't going to go well and you know what sir um your actions are escalating the situation how can we de-escalate this and work this out they didn't really make any attempt to that they merely said hey you're going to do it our way or Another way, which they didn't define, but it culminated in death. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the problem I have with this thing. Look, refusing to comply is not good, in my opinion. Um, in fact, you create a lot of crises when you do that. You escalate a lot. Cops don't like that. So in my opinion, you can be right and dead, or you can comply uh, and work it out You know, later, see another day. I think wisdom is the better part of valor here. Uh, but nevertheless, compl- noncompliance is not a reason to be dead. Dr. Bradley. Now, they tried to come out of this saying, hey, he had a gun. Well, whether that was um, used or not in a way that would be questionable is still uh, up for grabs, meaning that, you know, we don't have any evidence he was using his gun in any inappropriate way. None. Furthermore, then they try to then go back and release information on the family. Oh, he's had a run in with the law before. Oh, his mom and everybody believes in this sovereign citizen movement, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, but this is the problem. Uh, wow, this family's bad actors from the get-go. They've had problems before. They're trying to paint this narrative, and that's what concerns me the most. If you're in the right, you don't need to paint that kind of a narrative. But if you're in the wrong and you've got something to cover up, then that narrative takes you 
quite far in the court of public opinion. This is a serious problem, doctor. Well, you know, I often say in politicians, if their lips are moving, they're lying. And if they call a news conference, they're putting the spin on the lie. And that's exactly what's been going on out of the uh, Farmington Police Department. Small department, these uh, five officers did not have a knowledge of the previous things. And you keep saying we're going to get to it, and I'm sure we will, uh, of uh, the knowledge of a previous license plate problem that a mother was pulled over for back in September. Uh, I would be absolutely shocked. I think it's a damned lie, and that's the nicest thing I can say about it. Everybody was aware of this. Everybody was on point. Untrained or poorly trained rookie police officer cowboys that had a shootout at OK Corral is what it boiled down to. This this reminds me, okay, first of all, people need to understand, and this is kind of a thought process we got to go through. In Utah, you can conceal carry a firearm, a handgun, in your car when you travel without a license. And if the police officers say, oh, the de facto fact they've got a gun in there means we can open fire, okay? This reminds me, sometimes, I don't know if your listeners ever collate all of these things together. Back in Baghdad, Iraq, uh, in September 2007, they had a massacre that happened. Blackwater uh, hired guns murdered 17 civilians in a, a an intersection. They opened, they lit up their weapons on these people. Oh, I thought there might be a problem. So we killed 17 of them, okay? Trump really yeah, blew insane. it when this thing happened. Say again? Yes. I said that's insane. Well, Trump pardoned. Yeah, he tra- Trump pardoned these guys, okay? That was a stupid thing. These guys were cowboys that didn't care who they killed. They had a license to kill. Okay, now if we're bringing that mentality into the United States and into our little communities, people don't know much about Farmington, Utah, I'm sure. It's kind of if any town in the country would qualify for Andy of Mayberry kind of stuff. It's a little suburb of a suburb. A lot of good people there. And and I'm here to tell you that that something went horribly bad. Yeah, there's 24,000 people in the little town of Farmington, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm here to tell you, it's just a bedroom community. I mean, they've got their main street. I don't know, is it even has a business or two on it? I mean, it is really, really a, uh, just a quiet, peaceful little uh, Farmington, you know? I mean, there's not a lot of agriculture now. People that work uh, in Salt Lake or maybe in Ogden live there. But but their their community is a peaceful, quiet little community. A lot of church going people there. And I'm here to tell now, you. Here's, here's that, the other that problem what, that I have with ahead. this story. How much did the cops know before they pulled this guy over? They made it sound like, hey, this is nothing. It was a routine traffic stop. We didn't know anything until he started being noncompliant. We didn't even call for backup. That's the official story. But when they start saying he was combative. When they start saying he had a gun, when they start talking about his mom, when they start talking about he tried to help his mom in court before, then they start using the label slang terms that I'm having a problem with here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, They start talking about this sovereignty movement, and he claims he was a sovereign citizen. Ladies and gentlemen, first off, the term sovereign citizen is an oxymoron. If I'm sovereign, I'm not a citizen. If I'm citizen, 
I'm not a sovereign. Okay? So factually, we've got a problem with the statement. I think it's ignorant cops and other people who even use this term. But the problem is there's been a narrative, Dr. Bradley, funded by George Soros and many others, um, that has literally tried to take this sovereign citizen term, turn these people into complete anti-government, uh, domestic terrorists or domestic threats or whatever you want to say. And there's an effort. It's been going on for decades now, even back, I don't know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. I remember in, in Missouri, they had the Mayak report or whatever it was, where they claimed anybody who believed in Ron Paul or anybody who had a Ron Paul bumper sticker or whatever else was literally a terrorist. And they dispatched that all over the state of Missouri um, when Ron was running for office. It might be more like, you know, 20, 15, 20 years ago now. Um, but all I'm telling you is they've painted this narrative and they're ratcheting up the narrative to where these people are anti-government. These people hate law and order. These people are against the cops. These people don't believe they have to answer to anyone for any reason for anything. Um, this is the narrative that they've been painting for a long time. And so now all they got to do is back this kid and his mom into that narrative. And, well, he deserved it. He was an anti-government criminal terrorist guy. This is the lie. And why they would go to that level about this shooting, if they're in the right and it was a legitimate routine traffic stop, doesn't make sense to me, doctor. I think they want to trigger a response. Um, I believe that they'd like to be able to say, see, see, we told you so. And uh, these guys have got to be put back in their box. And, and it's not just a quote-unquote sovereign citizen concept. It's everything. It's across the board. Disarming. I mean, you look at what the BATFE is doing, you know, with, with every inane little stupid thing that they can make a new regulation on. This is from the federal level clear down to the local level. Now, Utah does have some pretty good um, firearms acts that protect the right to keep and bear arms. But so, so what happened with this young man was totally within the realm of legality. But, but let's just go back for a second to what happened in September with his mom. His mom got pulled over, routine traffic stop, a license plate issue again. She went through a similar scenario. I'm not going to give you my information. I don't have to give you my information. We could talk about how Blackstone uh, addressed the issue of the free man and No, let's, let's do travel. this. This is instructive, ladies and gentlemen, because this, look, some of these people that believe some of these things and take these actions, they are not entirely wrong, doctor. Well, you're, you're correct in your statement. Um, yeah, someday, if we had some time I'd, and were interested, I, w I would review some of Blackstone's statements. See, Blackstone wrote about free men in England. The American uh, colonists that came to North America, they were free men. They were free Englishmen. They had these rights. They studied Blackstone. And Blackstone talked about the unrestricted freedom to travel. And the people are saying you're restricting it by licensing it. And so anyway, this is kind of a very high-level view of it. But the fact is uh, some people say, no, we, we can drive without having a license. And so and uh, this thing that you put on the back of your car is just simply a tax license. Well, think about the Stamp Act that happened back in the Revolutionary times where they were required to pay a fee to be able to use things like paper and stuff like that. So anyway, some of this does have some really early origins in the in the United States. And like you say, they're not without uh, elements of truth. Now, here's the deal. I have never, ever, never, not once, ever in my entire life seen a sovereign citizen 
thing turn out happy for anybody. I have not seen that happen. Here's the, I'll give you the solution. The solution is more Americans understanding and let's fix this problem without getting more people killed. But a lot of people are getting a little bit antsy. And, and normally what happens is the, the most vulnerable are the ones that crack first. And that's kind of where we're going now. The police officers cracked in this case and a boy died. I think Ladies and gentlemen, up, unnecessarily died. I submit to you that it's murder because it didn't have to go this way. We're going to talk more about this, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman and Dr. Bradley, you are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Lance Pry. Northern and Central California is hit by another powerful atmospheric river storm as the National Weather Service warns of copious amounts of heavy snow in the mountains and potential flooding from significant rainfall across the state. California Governor Gavin Newsom requested President Biden declare a state of emergency in California because of recent storms. The city of Santa Cruz, California, has issued get-ready-to-evacuate orders. After doing away with term limits five years ago, Chinese President Xi Jinping has been re-elected for a third term this morning. About 3,000 members of China's National People's Congress voted unanimously Friday to re-elect Xi for another five-year term. There was no other candidate, and the vote was over in 15 minutes. Xi did away with presidential term limits in 2018. Officials approved by Xi will be appointed to top cabinet positions over the next two days. I'm Mark Mayfield. Investors sold off shares of SVB Financial Group and a bunch of U.S. banks after the tech-focused lender said it lost nearly $2 billion in assets following larger-than-expected decline in deposits. America's financial freefall saw the four biggest U.S. banks lose $52 billion in market value just yesterday. The Labor Department announced today the U.S. economy added 311,000 jobs in February. The report also revealed the unemployment rate ticked up 3.6%. And because inflation continues to be red hot, Fed Chair Jerome Powell testified this week the central bank could return to larger size interest rate increases at its policy meeting next week. Many people were killed and others were wounded in a shooting at a Jehovah's Witness place of worship in the northern German city of Hamburg this morning. The suspect gunman was among the dead. A motive for the shooting is unknown. For those that play, Daylight Savings Time is this weekend. USA News. This report is brought to you by Crescent Tools. Most toolboxes contain a Crescent wrench, which tradesmen and DIYers have trusted for more than a century. But what many call a Crescent wrench isn't always the real deal. The reason? True Crescent wrenches are made by Crescent Tools, which started producing the adjustable wrench in 1907. However, few realize that Crescent is the brand, not the tool. Nor do they understand that Crescent makes more than just wrenches. Brendan Walsh, Director of Product Management at Crescent Tools. What a person thinks is a crescent wrench may just be an adjustable wrench. Do you have a story to tell? Bring your story to life with audiobooks. Great stories deserve great storytelling. Audiobook Network provides professional voice actors and full production services for every author's manuscript. From narration, production, and editing to distribution, promotion, and sales, Audiobook Network handles everything. If you have a print book, ebook, or even a manuscript, call Audiobook Network now and get our free audiobook guide. 800 734 1229. 
with news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Scott Bradley, freedomrisingsun.com, and I are talking about this Chase Allen murder. Why am I calling it a murder? Because, folks, it did not need to happen at all. Noncompliance is not a reason to be dead. But what happened was that Chase was willing to give them his passport. And uh, the cops just didn't have any patience for this. But what Chase was trying to explain to them is he's a U.S. national, not a U.S. citizen. And look at his passport. He tried to give them the passport. Now, a U.S. citizen is someone who has citizenship through their birth or obtains citizenship through naturalization. Okay? But a U.S. national is different. A U.S. national, on the other hand, is someone who has the irrevocable right to reside in the territory of the United States without limitation. Now, think about that, folks, for a minute. Well, anyway, the bottom line is Chase gave him the passport. But instead of looking at the passport and giving Chase a chance to explain himself and give Chase a chance to document the truth by the passport, they went crazy. Okay? They believed he was a sovereign citizen. And that has been become a boogeyman term. It's scare words to where this guy's an enemy. So they didn't wait. They didn't look at the passport. They didn't discuss the point Chase was trying to make, that he's a U.S. national, not a citizen. And they just simply said, look, if you don't get out of the car right now, we're going to break your window. Okay. They escalated. They should have just stepped back a second and said, what is this guy saying now? What is a U.S. national versus U.S. citizen? Now, they could say, well, this isn't the place or the time to discuss that. They may be correct. But that's not a reason to escalate and kill someone. And that is the quintessential problem that I'm seeing with this situation, Dr. Bradley. My opinion is that because they had prior knowledge of what had happened in September with the mom, they they said, no, 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 we already understand where this is going. We're going to bust your window, drag you through the hole, and, and we're going to take you in and, and beat the snot out of you and put you in jail. Now, that's kind of what happens sometimes in that particular jurisdiction. But at any rate, I think that they had prior knowledge of what had happened with the mom. The mom had a $100 traffic ticket. She ended up filing a federal lawsuit against them, against not these particular officers, but the department. And so they had all this prior knowledge. It's a flat out lie to say these five officers, which was probably about half of the police force in that little community that made this call. And uh, they escalated instantly because they knew where, oh, okay, we've been down this road. We understand the argument. We're not going to listen to it. Break the window. Let's go. And, uh, and so their escalation point, and as they started to drag this young man, I th- my opinion is he unlocked the door. He looked like he was putting his foot out like to get out of the car. And if you have your seatbelt on, it's very difficult to get out of the car. And if you think about where the seatbelt latch is, it's over by the console. He was likely reaching over to unlatch the seatbelt and get out. Okay, and again, if he was armed, that's irrelevant. That is legal completely. Well, hold on. Not only only is it irrelevant from your legal point, 
But it means that you must be extra careful to de-escalate, ladies and gentlemen. They didn't ask him if he had a gun. This is what I mean. They didn't do anything to de-escalate. They didn't say, sir, you have a gun. I need you to set your gun on the dash, or I need you to whatever. Um, They didn't do anything to assess the situation or de-escalate is my biggest problem with this. Furthermore, why would they escalate so quickly if it was routine and they had no prior knowledge of this guy? Now, the other interesting thing is if they didn't know about the sovereign citizen discussion, now, I don't believe he's, you know, in the sovereign citizen idea. As I've told you before, it's an oxymoron. You're either sovereign or you're a citizen, but you're not both. But you know what? He was trying to explain that he was a U.S. national. There's a difference between a U.S. national and a U.S. citizen. If you don't believe me, go look at your passport, ladies and gentlemen. You can go find this really easy. Go look at a passport. And a U.S. national is someone who has an irrevocable right to reside in the territory of the United States without limitation. Now, we can debate about it being a territory, and we can get into all side topics. But the point that I'm getting at is Chase was trying to explain this to them. Know that I'm not a citizen. I don't have your driver's license. I do have a passport. Here it is. I've identified myself now. Let me explain to you why didn't they step back and let him do so. And I think this is the quintessential reason that I say they had prior knowledge, and they want to make an example out of him. Sadly, it seems to me that the cops... And the government now is trying to declare war on the citizens. And what they want to do is is force us to strike back, doctor. I think that's what this really, really comes down to. Sadly, I think you're right. Uh, the officers, uh, at very best, were ignorant, poorly trained. I think that reflects on not only their own department, but probably on the uh, uh, police officer training that happens in the state of Utah and the mentality they're hiring from. Uh, uh, Let me just step back a little bit from this whole thing. About 45 years ago, I had a really good friend uh, that, you know, I like him, you know, he's like a brother to me. He wanted to be a cop really bad. He went to a uh, suburb of Denver. I don't remember which one it was, the name of the community, but, but they had a very rigorous hiring process they went through for the cops. They did not only interviews and testing and all this kind of stuff. They did scenarios. They played out scenarios. So they had, you know, like you pulled over a car. and that, I mean, they actually played them out in front of the board that was evaluating whether they were going to hire you or not. Uh, this this situation, they had a guy that was there that was in the car. And and uh, the, the thing was a routine traffic stop. But it started to escalate. And my friend... Um, participated in the escalation. And, you know, they were using finger guns instead of real guns, but he ended up shooting the guy, okay? And and he didn't get the job. They said, you know what, you you just, you know, we appreciate your offer here, but but you're not the kind of mentality we want in our community. We, our officers are there to protect and serve, to be peacekeepers and peace officers, and we just don't need somebody shooting somebody over a, a routine traffic stop. I mean, they were, they were vetting for this thing. They had a filter there that said, this is how we're going to hire our officers. Now, I think it's, it's been exacerbated in recent years that up, us against them, the federalization of the police, the militarization of the police, the uh, military-style weapons, if you will, that's uh, snapped into the dash of every front seat of every police car, the idea that they're taking people out of Fallujah, if you will, in Iraq, 
and saying, hey, we got a job for you over here. And you bring that mentality. Maybe it's PTSD, too. I don't know. But it should not be that. We are all in this together. We go to church with our police officers. We shop with them in the grocery stores. They should recognize us as their fellow human beings. I mean, this has been escalating for many years now, and it's gotten a lot worse since our interactions in the in the Middle East, in Iraq and, and Afghanistan and Somalia and some of those places, where it's an us versus against them. And, and you know, shoot first and ask questions later in a combat environment. Absolutely, you've got to sometimes do that. I mean, it's kill or be killed. It really is. But that's not your normal interaction with people that you're pulling over for traffic stuff. And there's got to be a more intelligent way of doing this. This deselecting the Rambo cowboy types uh, that want to have the OK Corral shootout any chance they get, you give them a badge and a gun, what's going to happen? What could go wrong here? And so there has to be, we, we pay our officers way too little. I mean, I'm fully in support of the idea that we need to have some of our best and brightest doing that. And again, I've I've known police officers all over the country, some of them the most intelligent, articulate, genuine, good human beings I've ever met. And others of them, they're slugs is the nicest thing I can say about them. I wouldn't hire them to do anything. And And I just think that it's time that some of these possible friction points need to use a more intelligent way to coming about this thing. And you don't just shoot somebody because you've decided you're at risk. I mean, you look at that guy that came from Somalia. It was somewhere in Michigan or Wisconsin or someplace. It was an officer there and shot a, a woman in an alley. I mean, he was sitting on passenger side, if I recall, and his partner was driving. They were talking to a young woman. He pulls his firearm out, kills the girl, shoots right across the face of his uh, partner and kills her. Okay. These people don't understand. I mean, they're there's a whole bunch of reasons. And in Utah, a couple of years ago, we authorized police officers to be non-citizens. Where are we going with this? This is the, not the time to, to redial and calibrate this thing on a militaristic perspective. Sounds like we've got to take another break, and it's probably good because this is something you can get pretty wound up about. Hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. The final segment in seconds on your radio. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil, spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9:6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. The 
Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3 founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. Dr. Scott Bradley with me, ladies and gentlemen. I got an interesting question to finalize this discussion. Let me just make something very clear. We will be digging into this case in much more detail, okay? We will be getting to the bottom of this case to the best of our ability. And I can't cover details now, but I'm telling you that we will be getting a lot more on this. And we will be finding out what the heck happened here what is going on and we really need transparency here what did the government know about this guy when they pulled him over what operating procedures did they invoke because here's my question dr bradley that i think is quintessential to the discussion why are illegal immigrants treated much better than U.S. patriots. And I don't say citizens because this guy's claiming he was a national. Whether he was or was not, um, you know, is debatable. But the fact is he was trying to explain that. I don't have a driver's license. Don't need one. I am a uh, national. Here's my passport to prove it. Here's my name on it. Okay. And and so the cops never gave him a chance to even explain. He was dead because they were going to crack the window, smash it open. Hey, you're going down right now. We don't even have five seconds to wait to talk about this. We're done with you. What gave them those kind of orders or mentality or positioning to why are we treating illegal immigrants better than American patriots? Now, listen to me, folks. This is important. If it was an illegal that couldn't speak English, that had drugs in their car and weapons and everything else, what they would have done was either translated to Spanish or got a Spanish interpreter, they would have de-escalated, and that immigrant would 99 out of 100 be alive today, even if they were a drug criminal. That is beyond debate in America, folks. Now, what on earth is going, and this is why I say they're trying to take us to war, doctor. There, There is an effort, and they think they've come upon, I believe, a propensity in some people to respond as the American colonists did in 1775. And I think they're trying to trigger that. I think that they would use that as justification for further egregious actions. Uh, at some point, maybe we ought to talk about qualified immunity and stuff like that, too. I believe yeah, these go officers ahead. are going to. Well, okay, uh, just let's just jump in a little bit. Uh, before 1982, really, uh, if, if somebody acted, they had the burden of proof 
to prove that they acted reasonably and in, in good faith, okay? Um, we don't have any qualified immunity in American uh, heritage. Our, our Americanist principles are totally based upon the responsibility of everybody, from the king down, to be responsible for their actions. Declaration of Independence talked about the king. They, they outlined 27 egregious violations he was guilty of. They used that as justification to rebel, okay? They wrote that into the Constitution. They said, no, nobody gets a pass. We're going, to do, uh, we're going to do impeachment if we have to. And then after impeachment and removal from office, then they face criminal charges and go to prison if that's the case. We could go through this thing at, at length, you know, take an hour maybe to review this thing. In the early, well, about mid-60s, they started talking about, okay, reasonable, good faith, and then the person that did the action has to prove that those actually occurred. There was nobody that said you get a pass. 1982, there was a Supreme Court case, Harlow v. Fitzgerald, if I recall correctly. It was an act of judicial policymaking. They said, oh, no, these things, it's a court-created concept that said, no, you have immunity. And then the legislatures followed on since that court decree, and they've created out of thin air this immunity thing. And so, and I could give you case after case after case of horrid things that happen that they've come down to the point they say, well, if your action didn't specifically violate a specific code, I'll give you one example. I can't remember if it was Tennessee or Kentucky uh, a few years ago. There was a, a suspect. He, was, he had been handcuffed. He was laying face down, hands behind his back, cuffed. He was laying on the ground, and an officer came up and, and sicked a police dog on him, had the police dog mauling. Okay? The officers were, were charged and sued. They were found not guilty. Why? Because there is not a law that says specifically if a suspect is cuffed, laying on the ground, defenseless, face down, you can't sick your dog on him. Okay? They let them go with these kind of, it's like, holy cow, how do we ever Ladies and gentlemen, here's, here's the summary of this. Qualified immunity is this lie that somehow if you act in a government capacity that you have protection from any accountability or transparency, etc., folks. It is a legal practical and moral failure doctor well it is absolutely and and in uh, spring of 2020 for example the utah legislature which of course we have some inside story on because we're here and we watch the egregious actions they take every time they get together they gave everybody immunity that had anything to do with the covid response so the governor, the lieutenant governor, the health departments, the police officers, the hospitals, everybody has Anthony Fauci all the way immunity. up to the bottom, right? Well, that's the problem. This is not an Americanist philosophy. Everybody. The founding fathers believed this. The king could do wrong. And, and the idea was, no, the king can do no wrong. His word is the law. No, the Americans said that's not the case. Everybody has to be answerable. And that's what they, they wrote in the Declaration. They wrote in the Constitution. They carried that forward until at least the 1960s. And then in, seven, in 82, they said, holy cow, we can give these guys immunity. And that's what's happening. And I'll bet you I would venture without even blinking an eyelash that the officers will close rank on this thing. And their their department will say, oh, no, we never talked about this woman's lawsuit from September and her $100 ticket. Now, the family says the cops are stonewalling on this thing. And you can tell by the public narrative that the cops are spinning. You know, if this is a case 
that's open right now. You don't have any right talking about his mom, talking about prior, prior court things. Leaking things to the media is a strategic attempt to get the court of public opinion on the side of the cops here. That's the problem. Now, in the cops' defense, if there really was a gun and if he really was reaching for it, then, hey, they got to protect their own lives, too. The problem with this whole narrative is that they were the ones that were forcing the action. See, if he was escalating and brandishing a gun, it would be a different game. But see, they were the ones that forced him to get out of the car. And if he was reaching for a seatbelt or giving the gun, they're the ones that put that force, that action on him. So the, the problem is their escalation is the problem here, doctor. If they would have just relaxed and said, listen, you know what? I need to know if you have a gun. Um, all these different things, that's what we're talking about, right? Well, you know, I can give you examples out of my own life. I mean, uh, uh, officers that knew what they were doing, they say, are you armed today? Because I gave them my concealed carry identification. I said, I certainly am. They said, where is it? I told them. They says, well, if you keep your hands on the steering wheel, we'll, we'll both be happy. I mean, it's a simple conversation you have with human beings. And the idea, this kid may have dropped this, the, his sidearm on the floor to make sure nobody ever thought he was going for it. He may have. He may have had it still on his hip when he was unfastening his seatbelt. That didn't mean he was going for his sidearm. I mean, there's all sorts of, oh, you know, yeah, I've read the reports. That the officers say, well, yeah, but when I had my sidearm on and I had to squirm in the seat to get it out before I got out of the car, and they use all sorts of things. We don't know. My personal opinion is that somebody, after the incident, pulled it out of the holster, dropped it on the floor, because really, in, in any scenario, even if you're just a civilian that, that happens to have a shootout with a bad guy in a convenience store, if he's got a gun, you kick it out of his hand or out of the way when you're done with everything in case he starts to stir again. You make sure that they can't bring it back into action. But the fact is that they may have pulled it out of his holster and dropped it on the floor. A medic may have come and done that when they were treating him, say, I'm not going to haul a, a sidearm into the hospital. It'll cause more grief for us than we got time for. So they left it on the floorboards. But the, the fact is they've got a camera that zooms in on the gun. <gasps> There's a gun in the car. And, and you know what? It was totally legal. Totally, completely. Not only legal. was it totally legal, ladies and gentlemen, but they're using this again to escalate this court of public opinion. Now, folks, look, here's the bottom line. We don't know all the facts in the case. That's the problem. But what we do know, in my humble opinion, is this. We cannot allow the government to paint this narrative that he was some sovereign citizen, which, again, is bogus on its face. He wanted to explain himself to the cops of what his status was. They never gave him a chance. Okay, we cannot let the court of public opinion go against this. We have got to educate. And they are drumming up this narrative about all of us being anti-government. Every one of you is included, unless you don't believe in America, or you don't believe in the Constitution, or if you believe America's first, you're a racist, a supremacist. They're coming after everyone with any Christian belief. If you believe in any Christian principles, they will eventually have you in their dragnet. The only way for you to be out of their dragnet is you promote communism, socialism, and a godless reality. Then they'll leave you alone and tell them they're coming for you, too. So remember, when they came for the Jews, oh, I wasn't a Jew, right? And, and when they come for me, there's nobody. Doctor, this is the reality we need to teach people. Because, look, I may not agree with this Chase guy on who he is or what he was or what his views are. Or anything, but that doesn't mean he should be dead. 
Okay, and that doesn't mean we should villainize him by this dishonest narrative that everybody's anti-government. They tell you that I'm anti-government, but I promote the proper role of government literally more hours than anybody else on the planet. I've got literally over 20,000 hours in radio where I've literally advocated for the proper role of limited constitutional government based on the rule of law, based on the supreme law with a sex and mouth, and they're saying that I'm anti-government. They even say that I advocate for sovereign citizen lies. I don't at all. Okay? But this is the problem, doctor. Well, let me just, let's just say that your listeners say, this kid was stupid. Let's say that that was the case. Let's say he was just plain stupid. And there's a lot of stupid things. Stupid does not, it's not executionable. You cannot kill somebody because they're stupid. If that was the case, Probably more than half of the American population would have been executed in the last three years, from the highest levels of office to the lowest. Church leaders, government leaders, politicians, public health officers, stupid, stupid, stupid. And I could give you a lot of reasons why I believe this. There has been a, 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 a just a cyclone of stupidity across America. And let's just say you think the kid was stupid. Okay, you don't execute stupid. Like I say, if you did, probably most of your church leaders would be executed too because they did something on this pandemic that took away our liberty. It took away our economy. It caused all sorts of health and immune systems and uh, neuromuscular and heart problems and fertility issues and blah, 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 blah for everything. And the people that have gone this route, you could say there's pretty good evidence they're stupid. But we don't kill people for being stupid. They may be killing themselves by taking some of the actions. But the point of the matter is, this is un-American what happened. And we need to, it needs to be completely adjudicated, completely investigated. And if this comes out with a whitewash, I suspect that the reason for that is they're trying to get somebody to snap. To and say, you if you aren't going to take care of justice. And you can expect, ladies and gentlemen, they will ratchet this up more and more and more and more. To create justification for the war on we the people. It's tragic. It's sad. I don't want to admit this. I'm not calling for it. I start every program by saying we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration. I'm the guy that says, you know what? It's about God, family, and country. I'm the guy that says we're all God's children. Let's treat each other like it. I'm the guy that says let's follow the Prince of Peace. So let's be very clear about who I am and what I stand for and those who associate with me as well. For Dr. Scott Bradley, freedomsrisingsun.com and sambushmanlovingliberty.net, God save the republic.